With the spring thaw in full effect, it's hard not to get excited about the warmer weather to come. Reminiscing about the times that we can spend back out on the banks of the river or on the bow of a skiff casting away and waiting for something to bite. No matter the style of fishing you prefer, it's hard not to appreciate the art of fly fishing. It is said that success lies when practice meets patience, and the same is true when it comes to fly fishing, and even more so when you start a fly fishing company. Today, we tune into Salt Lake City, Utah, and chat with Adam Hudson, the founder of Blue Line Co., and how he went from selling cars and hedgehogs to creating a fly company that has taken the internet by storm. That and more on this week's episode of the show. But before I go, make sure to check out alongthekeel.com where we give you the stories and ingredients for a life lived by the coast. Sign up for our newsletter to get exclusive content and deals on the best gear to get you out on the water. Well, cool, man. Good to have you here. Yeah, man. I appreciate you asking me to be on. No, absolutely. Yeah. Get connected here with uh, Pete, Mr. Cheeseburger himself. Yeah. The Cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah. The cheeseburger. Um, do, you, do you have any idea where he gets that name? I guess maybe he just loves cheeseburgers. I don't know. That That's the only thing. Well, that's fair enough. Be it. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> if, um, if I could be named by any food, I don't know which food I would be named after, but um, maybe. Ribeye uh, steak, Adam. Ri- or- <sighs> Took it out of my mouth, dude. It would be steak and rice sack. <laughs> chicken wings, Adam. Ch- chicken wings, Adam. Fair it enough. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> Just rolls off the tongue. Chili cheese dog, Zach. Uh, yeah. All right. I can I can get along with that. Get Chili cheese it. dog. Yeah. I can get into that. Yeah. There's some good ones there. There's definitely some good ones. How was your uh, your trip to Montana? Uh, your ski trip. The ski, the ski trip was great. First time I'd ever skied in Montana. So uh really enjoyed it my wife and i are pretty set on trying to move to montana so we kind of wanted to go mm-hmm. hang out in the summer or in the winter time spend a lot of time there in the summer fishing but sure. uh just hadn't spent a lot of time in well really any time in the winter been up there once but not for long so and why uh, is that why the move um i just i guess me just like a lot of other people right now just love montana it's yeah there's there's more space and less people. So that's kind of what I'm shooting for more space. less. But I feel like Utah is kind of, I mean, you guys got a lot of space there too. No, you do. Uh, Salt lakes. Yeah. Salt lakes big. It's kind of interesting because like salt lake, essentially it, Utah has a lot less people than say like the Southeast. Right. But it's all concentrated right here into salt lake. And mm. so it is kind of cool. You can get away from people in less than an hour. You can be in the middle of nowhere less than right. an hour. Um, but it's, it just doesn't have the same same feel. I yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm sure there's places in in Utah that would work on a separate on a separate note from the podcast. My my you just can't. My wife can't make money in Salt yeah. Lake. Right. So. Uh, that's another that's another factor, but we she can make money in Montana. Essentially, mm-hmm. what you got to do is go somewhere that is unfavorable to get someone to move to. So mm-hmm. you can make the most money essentially in the southeast, the deep south, uh, the Midwest, like the Dakotas make a lot of money, mm-hmm. and then places like Idaho, Montana. You can and what what money. does she do based on she's a, all the? Yeah, she's a, a radiologist. 
Well, uh, she's okay. tr- currently training as a radiologist at the U, which is why okay. we're in Salt Lake. But, uh, you know, essentially all these kids go to medical school all over, you know, from all over the country. And everyone essentially our age, you know, 30s mm-hmm. wants to live in a big city. You right. grow, you know, a lot of these people, it, no matter where you move from, all medical colleges and all residency programs are in big cities. Mm such as Salt Lake, you know, I mean, there's a ton in the Northeast. Uh, you know, you have yeah. to have a big population center to be able to see enough problems and things at, while you're training. Right. So then every single person has lived in a big city who is a doctor at this point, mm-hmm. and most of them choose to stay in big cities. Yeah, well, that makes so, sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I actually... I'm, when you think of it, when you boil it down, you're like, oh, yeah, well, obviously there's going to be more people in a hospital in Boston than there is going to be in, you know, some podunk town in, you know, right, Louisiana or, or something, you know, like, right, right, just natural. But, right. So you can convince them because, you know, the hospitals suck and, it, you know, whatever. You can convince someone to go work in Boston or right. California or uh, New York City. But, Re- talk to 99% of those people and say, Hey, why don't you go move to Montana? And they're going to be like, what the fuck is in Montana? I don't want to move there. <laughs> or, or especially like the Southeast is so you get paid so much money because say, Hey, why don't you move to the deep South? Right. And 99% of people are going to be like, hell no, I'm, no, not I'm, I'm deep good. South. <laughs> Unless you're from there, you're probably not just going to say, Oh, okay, great. Well, I'll move to the deep South. Right. So that's the reason you can make so much more money is because they have to, you know, the, they pay people a lot more money because there's a lot fewer people who want to go do it. Interesting. Interesting. It's just kind so of fortunate you, for us that we like, well, you like Montana, Montana. Yeah. Yeah. So it works in your favor. Right. So when you I say, don't want to live in a big city. No, <laughs> no. Well, you're from Alabama. So, I mean, you're just, it's not your style. Right. Right. Yeah. And when you say deep South, what are we, what are we, uh, what are we wrapping that up into? Cause there's like the South. And yeah, then there's the deep like, south, and then there's Miami, which is a whole different south. <laughs> Miami's not even part of this country, I don't think, <laughs> from being there. Um, like halfway up Florida <laughs> to, you know, like uh, Kentucky, you know, I don't know. People like technically Virginia is the south, but Virginia's not the south. Virgin- not See, I said the same thing. There's these guys chasing tides. They're probably going to listen to this. So if they are. Well, hopefully they are. Maybe someone listens to this. <laughs> and uh, and I'm like, you guys aren't in the South. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're in the South. I'm like, you, you're living in no. Virginia Beach. Like, that's I feel not like that's South. not. And then they're like, Mason Dixon line, man. I'm like, yeah, I, ah, I guess so. Okay. I don't know. Okay. You know, technically, if you want to go by the line, sure. But I don't know, you know, like uh, Kentucky, kind of, you know, uh, pro- probably Missouri, some Arkansas down sure. to, you know, Louisiana, Alabama. Right. Mississippi that, you know, I don't know that, that circle. That's but, the circle. All right. Kind of like the, heart, yeah. the Bible. Heart belt. Be, right. Right. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. But, and, but you're from Alabama, like podunk town, little, like one street light. I mean, right. This is big yeah, city so stuff I, is different. I grew up in a, in a town where uh, we don't even have a stoplight. It's a, there's a caution light. There's a couple stop signs, <laughs> uh, but you can, <laughs> but you can get to a, a major city um 
in about 30 minutes from where I grew up. Mm -hmm. So not too bad. I mean, it's not like we drive, you know, hours to get anywhere, but to, you know, get groceries, not like that, but, um, yeah, pretty small little area that I grew up in. Um, it's it like about 45 minutes North to Tennessee. So it's definitely North Alabama. Yeah. Um, North Alabama is pretty cool. It's got, uh, it's the foothills of the Appalachians. So Mm -hmm. where I'm from is pretty hilly. Definitely not mountainy, but mm-hmm. hilly. Um, and so we have a lot of really cool rivers and streams and stuff associated with that. Yeah. And so I'm assuming that's kind of where you got your your foothold into like getting into fly fishing and, and oh, being yeah. out in the woods and, and that whole thing was probably part of your, you know how you grew up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, growing up, but hunt, my dad's a big hunter. He he hunts kind of like I fly fish. I like to mm-hmm. say he's way eat up with it. Things probably wouldn't have had to go very differently in my life for me to wind up being a really big hunter. I don't know how <laughs> I just got uh, got clinged on to fly fishing, but I did. Um, yeah. So definitely grew up with a with family and you know it, kind of a back uh, a background in outdoor you know conservation. This, mm-hmm. you know, this is how we do things. And this is, you know, why we go outside and hunt and fish and, you know, connect with nature. And here's why we got to preserve it. You know, all that kind of stuff kind of, kind of grew up with that. Uh, obviously probably not that we didn't fish. My dad was also loved to uh, conventional bass fish. Like, uh, not, not that he was ever on tournaments, but you know, kind of doing what the tournament guys do. Right. Um, and we grew up, I mean, bass fishing is like a whole different world to me. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, it, it's nuts. And it's it's interesting how pe- people are eat up with it too. They they love it. I mean, they they, they follow it. I mean, it's like <laughs> watching, you know, it's like following NASCAR or something. Like these guys are, you know, like they they you can talk to people, you know, it's so big in Alabama. You can talk to people and be like, "Oh, you know, they what do you think of this fishing event?" And, "Oh, right. yeah, did you see these that, you know, Kevin Van Dam caught?" And, you know, I don't know, these are all these other people. I don't follow it, but it is yeah. it is really funny talking to, you know, I mean, people know the players, know the guys, and the, you yeah, know yeah. the guys and know, you know, their stats sponsors and everything. And their, and... Yeah, their stats are so funny. <laughs> And they walk around in jerseys looking like a NASCAR. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's, I love, I love everything about it. I <laughs> absolutely you? love everything about tournament bass fishing. <laughs> Out of just like the, the curiosity, like, ha ha ha, or actually like into No, it. I just think it's awesome. <laughs> I just think it's so cool that, I mean, kids are so eat up with it. Like yeah, you know, kids true. are just eat up with these different things. And, you know, f- following these guys who are like, uh, you know, famous to them that are right. fishermen. I just right. think yeah. a lot of it's, I, th- I just love the theatrics and all of the, I just think it's so <laughs> much fun. <laughs> it is. It's wild. Like, you know, working with, um, the company that I work with now waypoint, it's like I've learned cause I'm, I'm so I'm totally salt, right? Like that's where I come from. That's what I know. Um, you know, growing up working as a captain so on and so forth. And then learning about bass fishing. Cause I knew about, like I went freshwater bass, like everyone does. Right. Yeah. And, um, figuring out like oh man these guys are just spending like 70 grand on a bass boat to go in a pond and then fish for something that you can't even you're not even going to eat and then yep. you're you're towing it with a motorhome or you know something that's <laughs> another like 100 grand and you're like yeah what are these people doing but i bet you know i was it was funny i was talking with my coach and he's like how much is a boat and i go yeah you know like you know 200 300 grand you know typically and he's like excuse me that's like a house on the water i'm like yeah. Yeah. So it's all relative, you know, it's, 
it's yeah, funny but you to can't see. fish out of your house. You can fit, you can live out of your <laughs> boat, but you can't fish out of your house. You got so. a really great point. I'm gonna have to text them that and yeah. <laughs> let them know. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, granted, these boats were like only 25 feet. I just got back from the Miami boat show, so I'm like 25 <laughs> feet for 300 grand. That's not. That's not Ooh. right. That's yeah. a tough one. <laughs> That's a tough one. Yeah. So from from Alabama, growing up, loving to fish, playing in the foothills, the the hilly of Alabama. And um, what was it kind of that drew you to the outdoors? I mean, obviously your dad was a big influence in that, but you know, anyone could be influenced by anything. Was it always your dad, or was it this combination of maybe your grandfather, or friend, or or what have you? Uh, definitely. I mean, whole family influence. My, my grandfather was also a huge outdoorsman, Mm -hmm. um, part partially because just kind of where he grew up was really Southern Tennessee during the depression. You Mm -hmm. had to be an outdoorsman. There was no, there was not a choice. Right. Um, (laughs) we gotta eat, but you know, (laughs) uh, spent a lot of time with him and he also, again, loved fish. He didn't, there was always in, at least in Alabama, there's always at least been a little bit of like, fly fishing most people not as much for like the bass and stuff but Mm -hmm. a lot of people at least had been uh, somewhat influenced by fly fishing or at least experienced it a little bit from throwing like little popping corks or whatever for brim Mm -hmm. most most people even if they say like oh you know i've never even heard of fly fishing or whatever generally they've probably heard of fly fishing other other than for trout little popping corks for brim um and he loved doing that, um, grew up, you know, doing a lot of kind of hunting and fishing and stuff too. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, and I think there's also a lot of, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people there are into hunting and fishing. Sure. You know, that's, it's, it's not, uh, I'm just people in the whole state. It's, it's not all about going to the movies or going, you know, what, whatever there's not, there's a lot more emphasis on going outside and doing something. Right. Um, yeah. So I think it not just family, but friends. And that's, you know, kind of what there is to do, mm-hmm. you know, let's, there's not a, a bazillion different things going on and different, I don't know, events or museums, or I, I, I don't know, whatever, whatever you got, <laughs> I don't know what they do in the Northeast but <laughs> or what whatever they do you in Northern city. people do. Yeah. Whatever no. y'all do. Yeah. Um, or, you know, but it's like it, I mean, that's kind of what there was to do. Like sure. if you, you want to have fun, you go outside and do stuff. Right. Um, so my mom, like way before I could drive, my mom would just drop me off at the park by the river or whatever. And be like, oh, pick you up at, pick you up later. Yep. What do I do? I don't know. River yeah. stuff. You got to yeah, figure that stuff. out. I don't know. Yeah. We'll figure that out later. Clink rocks together or throw them at trees. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, and then obviously, you know, drop me off with a fly rod and yep. I'll pick you up before dark. Yeah. <laughs> you know, better catch kinda... dinner or something. <laughs> Otherwise, we're not coming home. <laughs> <laughs> I get back in the car. <laughs> I get back in the car. Um, um, yeah, no, I, I grew know. up very similar to that. So I can, yeah. I definitely know like the door locks when on, on Saturday and Sunday or after school, like door locks, you don't come back in yep. until the lights go on outside. Right. And, right. And, and that's, that's kind of how I found my love for the ocean and for the water. And then, you know, which grew up into a, and now into a career similar to you, like, you know, you went from doing just, being and enjoying the outdoors then and making a career out of it and then kind of doing a switch, you know, 180 and then eventually coming back into it. So yeah, it's interesting to always, you know, learn and hear from where it all kind of started. Right. 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 Um, and it seems like a lot of pockets of, you know, around the U S where, you know, California, Southern California, if you don't surf, like, I don't know why you live there, you know, or, yeah. 
you know, down in Alabama hunting and fishing, pretty much anyone and everyone's going to be into it. I talked to Jeff, my buddy, Jeff from Alaska. He also has a podcast, but you know, and he's a teacher and in school on, you know, on Monday of what did you do over the weekend? It's like, Oh, we're going to have a conversation about hunting, you know? Yeah. And yeah. all the, everyone's chiming in boys, girls doesn't matter. Right. Like that's just a part of the culture. So right. it's interesting <clears throat> to hear, you know, that Alabama and, and that, that falls into it here in Rhode Island. I don't think it's probably as prominent just because it's cold as shit here during the winter. So the outdoor <laughs> activities <laughs> drop down. But, you know, summertime, like fishing, you know, hunting, all that was definitely in play for sure. So yeah. when you when you started to kind of move, you know, obviously you didn't stay getting dropped off by your mom at the lake all the time. You know, there, there was an evolution <laughs> there. What did that look like that eventually led you to to work at a fly shop and, and kind of go down this path of eventually creating Blue Line? Yeah, yeah. So somewhat roundabout, but I'll get back. To, I'll get to it. So uh <laughs> went to school. I was always good at biology. It mm -hmm. not just because it, uh, probably more so because it was the most interesting subject to me. Uh, sure. I just liked everything that we were learning about biology, got pretty good grades, even though I really didn't have like pretty naturally was just mm -hmm. good at biology, I guess. Um, went to college and, uh, was planning to do something else, but it kind of realized that a lot of the classes I was taking like, especially once I got up into the like 300, 400 level classes were mm -hmm. my, were everything that I picked this one semester, my, <laughs> then my now wife, but then girlfriend was just like, what, the, what are you doing? And it was like ecology, freshwater studies, um, <laughs> dendrology, <laughs> but just because it had a bunch of field trips outside <laughs> and then like this, uh, biology of algae class right. again, just because it had a big thesis that you got to write that was outside. <laughs> so, <laughs> Man, was we like, get to go to school and play outside. Oh, I'm in. Yeah. Hold up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so anyways, I, I kind of like really started realizing like freshwater ecology, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff was what I, what I ended up gravitating towards. Uh, and it, I really do like that work. Um, and I used to, and then I started taking like some graduate level classes in that mm -hmm. never, you know, while I was still an undergrad, but, um, essentially then realized that you just can't make money doing it. Yeah, not that hell, not that not, well at the time, that's kind of right. what I figured out. Right. Not that I make money not <laughs> now. I don't know. You no, but you're, go, yeah, maybe you're, you should have just yeah. kept doing that. Um, <laughs> But I was like, yeah, this doesn't pay anything. I, right. I like three, 400 level. I don't know. So that junior, senior year started talking to like my uh, professors and some of the, like some advisor of, the of some mentor kind yeah. of people, some people in the industry, not industry. That's going back to fly fishing words, but <laughs> uh, some people like my freshwater studies professor who I love that class is my favorite class I've ever taken. It was awesome. Yep. Um, I kind of had a sit down with him one day after class. I was like, Hey, look, like I'm thinking about doing this. Talk to me about it. And it was essentially, you know, no offense to anyone out there that did it because in a very, very, I was, I mean, I was this close to doing it, but you know, essentially it's, you know, okay, go to grad school. Okay. And you get paid nothing. Go mm -hmm. to go get your PhD, whatever, continue along, write some papers, essentially get paid nothing, nothing, nothing for quite a while. Right. And then if you're, you know, then you could get a job making somewhere generally between like 50 and a hundred thousand dollars a year versus, 
you know, if you're really lucky, you could potentially get more than that. Or if you go do private sector work for some big mm-hmm. company, you could start sure. making more. But I was like, man, I don't really want to work for a big company and make more. I'd rather kind of do this. But then the whole like education system didn't really get me jazzed up. Yeah. Yep. So essentially, I, I guess kind that. of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess kind of what wound, what I kind of wound up with was, well, how do I fuse me being interested in outdoors and kind of doing some research and conservation and studies about about the outdoors, still getting to be in the outdoors, but how, do, how can I turn that into a career that is not based, that it does not revolve around, you know, teaching and the education system and working at a college or yeah. actually being a biologist. Right. Um, so anyways. I guess kind of wound up working at a fly shop. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that, before, Cause that's before, how you make all the money. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do retail. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Work um, no, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, when I went to college, I initially started as Marine bio and then I walked into a chem class one day and I would say, well, this is not my major anymore. I cannot, oh, I, wow. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing chem, um, biology, all about it, you know, anthro, you know, all the, uh, anatomy and all that stuff yeah. all about it yep. chem math nope i'm good nope. i'm gonna i'm oh. gonna turn this boat or turn the ship around you and i were right there because i didn't <laughs> i had to study probably double hard for the chemistry stuff and still didn't do good <laughs> then i had to study the, for the bio bio classes i was in i barely studied and did good yeah so. yeah it's like wait <laughs> yeah. this is a fish you don't want it, you don't know that name well come on now yeah. let's go no, come on. chemicals who needs that yeah, yeah. so um <laughs> You know, I was like, all right, but marine bio is not my thing. Let's try, let's try for something else. And I went down the road of wildlife conservation biology. Like, oh, what if you did like a game warden or did this, that, and the other thing? I came across the same type of roadblock, which was, yeah, you're not really going to make a whole lot of money um, doing it. And and for some people, that's great. You know, like they they want to go do that for the rest of their lives. And I'm like, no, totally cool. For me, I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit. So for me, I was like, how do I grow this? to be something bigger, better, and, and obviously make money a part of that, but help more people and touch more lives. And, yeah. uh, what I found is, you know, I, I got a major in Marine affairs, but after that I was like, you know what? Marine affairs is cool, but <laughs> there's gotta be another way. And I think sure. in a lot of ways it's similar to what you're doing because now that you've created blue line co it's, it's almost as if you're able to touch way more people and do a lot more with conservation and do and, and talk about it and be more involved in it rather than actually having to be studying and out there in the field all the time. You're able to have right. more of a, more of an impact is kind of what I saw. Yeah. Yeah. You can directly touch people, you know, kind of with what I've got set up a little better mm-hmm. than, you know, uh, just kind of what you're saying here. Well, I'll study this, I'll publish this paper that, you know, gets, put out into some scientific journals or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, how many people does that directly affect? I don't know, but, right. um, you know, obviously we got to have those guys to have the statistics that, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us, <clears throat> you know, guys who are interested in conservation, you know, still kind of go off of like, Oh, this species is declining. We need to help this guy. You mm-hmm. know, you got to have the people out there doing that work, but yeah, I think you got to also have people at, you know, your level or potentially my level too, like, being hey guys we got to draw attention to these issues or whatever so yeah that idea um, of like conscious capitalism almost yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. um i'm sure you end up talking to a lot of people who kind of have that entrepreneurial spirit but that's kind mm -hmm. of where that's kind of where i got circled back into you know 
kind of continuing building blue line was, right. was, you know, I think, uh, a lot of people in, in my same shoes and I'm sure your shoes too have that kind of uh, entrepreneurial spirit. What I, I was really never that happy working for someone else. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I we, think, you know, why is that? Like, why do you think that was the case? I don't know. I, I would start off and say, I actually think it's probably a fundamental problem of mine. I don't <laughs> think it's actually like, so I'm not like celebrating it. I, th- I play well with others, but I don't, and I work well with others, but I don't think that I, i never did very good working for another person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really know why that is. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like it's no, a fa- it's- not, I mean, I don't know. I, I would identify that as a fault of mine, but you would, you'd identify as a fault rather than a strength. I would identify it as a fault more so than just a neutral, like, oh, it just is what it is. <laughs> I don't know if it's a strength, but I would identify, like, to a fault, I was not happy making money for other people. I gotcha. I gotcha. So when you when you first initially started getting into the industry, quote unquote, working for this small fly shop, was it, I mean, because there's, there's steps that lead up to you creating Blue Line, right? Where you kind of have to, not only do you love the outdoors and the environment and you've had a, a great baseline through college of learning about everything that you need to learn about. But on, from like a business standpoint, was it the fly shop that really kind of took you to look towards something different or were you someone like growing up that you were always kind of hustling on the side and doing something? I kind of always was hustling on the side. I was I, like, when I turned 15, I started buying and selling and flipping cars and yep. I started like buying a lot of stuff off Craigslist <laughs> and flipping it when I was like 15 to what's the weirdest thing. Oh gosh. Um, a hedgehog. A like the animal. Yeah. <laughs> you flipped. <laughs> I flipped a hedgehog. You flipped a hedgehog. Yeah. How was the profit margin? <laughs> Good. Really was good. it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, you gotta. We gotta back the story. Forget about fly fishing. We're right, talking hedgehog hedgehog marketing. What was <laughs> what was your approach in the hedgehog industry? Uh, found a listing on Craigslist that said I need to get rid of this hedge or my whatever <laughs> we're moving. I'm not taking this hedge. I don't know whatever whatever the correct. It was free. Here's a free hedgehog. Okay. With a terrarium and like the whole like the whole get up. They were like, come get this thing. Wow, terrarium included, huh? Yo, all of it. That's, the, I mean, the whole the whole nine yards. Yeah, and uh, very nice lady had this hedgehog. I don't know, whatever. I didn't really go into go into her backstory, but sure. Picked it up. I had a hedgehog, and uh, <laughs> realized because I googled that you could make a lot of money. They sold for a lot. Seriously? <laughs> so yeah, evidently they're they're like hard to get, or I don't know. It's hard to find hedgehogs. Wow. All right. I'm not a hedgehog dealer, so don't like, don't, <laughs> don't really like, <laughs> yeah, don't come at me with questions about it. All I'm telling you is that people pay a lot of money for hedgehogs because I guess they're hard to find. You, yep. you got to get a breeders and stuff. I don't know all the things, but anyways, I was like, huh, these things sell for quite a couple hundred bucks. Okay. Damn. So I bought it, took care of it, started popping it on Craigslist myself for a couple <laughs> hundred bucks and found someone to bite. <laughs> Wow, that is. So I had a pet, hedge, pet hedgehog for a minute and made made a couple, couple hundred, hundred bucks, bucks off of it. That's probably the weirdest thing that's been said on this podcast to date. Hundred oh, well, percent. I'm not that surprised that I was the one that said the weirdest <laughs> thing on your on a podcast. But uh, from selling hedgehogs to selling uh, flies, what flies? You know. Yeah, I'll sell it. Yeah, you'll what, <laughs> you you bring it, I'll sell it. it doesn't yeah. matter what. <laughs> 
That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, I used to sell crickets when I was about 15. Oh, so yeah. I had a cricket breeding company, which was... Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't really call it a company. I just call it more of went to Petco, one cricket turned into several hundred crickets, and I was like, I got to get rid of as these crickets do. somehow. Yeah, right, as they do. And uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, I got to put these guys somewhere. Hey, do you want some? I'll give you like 12, 15 bucks. Um, that but, definitely... The South and where you grew up sounds very, very similar to at that. Well, that was did, in did Florida. You ever, so. Oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> when I was in Florida. So <laughs> did, did you have a, uh, did you have business cards like cricket dealer? hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Gosh. Cricket, crickets ahoy actually was the name of it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> what would you name your hedgehog business? If you could look back, man, hedgehogs ahoy would be a great, would be a great name. Hedgehogs Ahoy. Hedgehogs Ahoy. <laughs> just put any animal and then just Ahoy. ahoy. <laughs> it's like a franchise. <laughs> Move from crickets uh, to hedgehogs. Hedgehogs. Yep. Flamingos are coming Fl- next. Flamingos are definitely yeah. on there. Just any weird animal that no one really wants, but probably would pay for. I think would oh, be a yeah. good good market for sure. All right, so I, don't you're... don't put that in the podcast. We we don't want that getting out. No, Peter, Peter, don't me listen. Thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Peter, beware. Um, Adam and I are coming for your hedgehogs. So you you start you start working for this fly shop, uh, you know, and, and obviously your background of hustling and whatnot. What? Why was it that eventually you were like, all right, well, if this guy is doing it, because I've been having this same a, a similar mindset lately, is like. Well, if that guy's doing it, why can't I do this? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I, I should say I didn't work for a small fly shop or just a guy. Mm-hmm. I, I love mom and pop fly shops. You know that have a you know single owner that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I've been in so many of them. Each of them are awesome and have their own unique flavor. That is not where I worked. Okay. Um, I worked for a large corporate company gotcha. that had a fly shop. That so, had a fly shop. Gotcha. Yeah. That had a fly shop associated with like clothing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, there's pros and cons to everything. It gets you in the door. It lets you work in the industry somewhere where there was not an actual fly shop. Sure. Um, but I was, uh, I worked there, um, for a little bit. I, I also just kind of through my other dealings, I didn't realize that I was good at sales until mm-hmm. someone was like, Hey, you're like good at sales. I was mm-hmm. like, what? Not ev- everyone can't just do this. You can't. I mean, anyone could just buy hedgehogs off Craigslist and flip them. <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not special. Um, but honestly, my wife was like, hey, you're actually good at that. Like, yeah. I, I just thought and re- seriously, until she told me, I thought that everyone could just buy hedgehogs and flip them off Craigslist. But apparently right. that's just a me kind of thing. So <laughs> I I didn't really know that I was good at sales until I started actually going into the retail stuff, realizing my numbers were always the best. I was yep. always the highest, even compared to hours worked, my productivity, whatever, you know, you see all sorts of stats. And crap. Mm-hmm. My productivity was always good. I got promoted to uh, being a manager. So I kind of managed the entire like fly fishing side of things. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of when I started having problems with the establishment. <laughs> that's when, <laughs> Uh, you know, I started making money for people that I didn't care to make money for, I made other people look good that I didn't care to make them look good, um, and got very little recognition for that. So, uh, that at that point is when I really started thinking like, 
maybe not as much like these guys, this guy can do it because it's not a one single you know person right as as much that's probably a little less for me that's where it started out but then that kind of entrepreneurial thing took back over and i was like all right let's keep working for these guys but let's identify some these issues that i think where they could capitalize and do a lot better sure um on the fly fishing side of things so kind of honestly it helped me a lot working for this company helped me a lot because it gave me insight not only to like the business, but I mean, a lot of other factors of, you know, working in a, in a, in a shop to Mm -hmm. be able to identify problems, issues, how I could do things better. Um, insider information as far as, you know, pricing or wholesale costs and things like that. So it kind of put together the rest of my knowledge that I really kind of started with and just said, okay, I can kind of figure out, the fly fishing industry side of things, it really, I I couldn't have done it without that job Hmm. Um, with starting working kind of at the bottom to be able to like see the issues, see the things in, in store to be able to work up to where we're at now. Right. Um, Right. What do you think some of like the biggest takeaways, because there's a lot to be said about, and and I'm going to take a quote from someone that talked about this today was there's when you're in a job, you either earn or you learn or you do both. Right. And it's very rare that you get the opportunity to do both, but you're always going to learn something. And hopefully, if all goes well, you're always going to earn something, right? Yeah. Whether or not that's high or low is a different story, but at least you can take something away from it. So in that job, it sounded like it was very much so learn. You know, what was it that kind of stuck out to you in terms of, man, looking back now, what you have established with Fly, you know, Blue Line Co., that says, Hey, that, that was very well attributed to what I learned from this job. I mean, a lot of the things that I started learning about, like, uh, uh, specifically the industry, how things worked, how, Mm -hmm. you know, made a lot of connections through that job. Um, uh, I mean, I think it was like, I, I I don't even know if I could put my hand on one thing. And I said, I learned this and this is great. But like, you know, I kind of learned how fly companies worked. Right. Right. Like we didn't really produce flies. You know, we sold flies. So Mm -hmm. I kind of learned the other side of like working with these companies. You know, I saw their pricings. You know, I was buying flies. I was purchasing, you know, products that I now sell. Right. So I kind of learned the flip side of it and then was able to kind of retroactively figure out what was going on. Sure. Um, and especially from working through talking to people at the shop, working through people or in the company kind of to figure out what, what was, you know, what was going on, how, you know, uh, inventory, things like that, things that you wouldn't know unless you had probably worked in some type of retail fashion. Um, you know, learning about managing inventory and costs of inventory versus, you know, sales and and reading uh, metrics and things like that. Not that that's anything very crazy, but stuff that, you know, working there really taught me a lot of uh, how to, how to be able to read those metrics well and apply them and know what they mean, I guess. Yeah, no, it makes makes perfect sense. I mean, right off the bat, I was initially thinking like, well, you know exactly what flies are going to move, what flies aren't going to move. Right. I mean, so from uh, like a sales point of view, would that I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that played a role into it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. That's something I, I didn't that I probably think about 
once a week, but probably have never attributed to it personally. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, kind of, hey, let's bring in this product. Let's see how it does. Oh, it flopped. Okay, great. Now we know. Why, why did it flop? You know, and at the time I didn't really think through those things very much, but right now, you know, and, and especially kind of going back, I, I do think like, okay, people really like to buy this style. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Is it because it's marketed well? Is it because it, you know, has the bin appeal? I think Mm -hmm. that's a lot of the, the thing that we have to kind of talk about with what we do and what makes blue line pretty difficult is because we not only do we put out flies that we know catch fish, Mm -hmm. but they also have to sell because Mm -hmm. I can't afford to produce products that we can't move no matter how much they catch fish. So one of the things that we did see happen a lot that I thought was crappy that a lot, not not calling out any other fly companies, but Mm -hmm. that I did see in especially companies that had super huge catalogs. I mean, they'd send you a book this thick of flies. Right. And I think some of those flies in there were designed to sell and not to fish. Mm. Um, We would get them in and I just didn't think they performed that well or whatever, But but they might sell really well. Right. Um, so that was one thing that we really starting out had to balance really heavily is, okay, I'm not going to put a fly in your fly box that I wouldn't trust myself. Right. But I own a company. I can't just be producing fly. You know, I can't, you know, (laughs) you got to sell what you make. Right. So that was also a big part of it is I've like got to figure out how to produce some flies that people will also like the looks of and say, Oh, I'll buy that. That'll probably work. And yeah. it does work. <clears throat> right. And then, so when you started to make that transition away from working for someone else and working and doing your own thing, taking that, that concept right there of it's got to a fish B sell. And you know, of course it's got to look good too. taking that and creating. Cause it sounds like that's exactly what blue line co is kind of wrapped around in is like, we're going to be the curators of the best flies out there because we know they work. We know that you're going to catch a fish um, as long as you're not an idiot. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you know, with that, it, it's kind of cutting out the the corporate mentality of it's all about the money, right? And, right, and here right. it's more about we want to show you how to enjoy fly fishing, knowing that the tools that we're providing are going to work. So right, was that right. something that was happened overnight? Obviously not. But or is that something that kind of evolved with you selling a few flies on your, on the side working for the retail company still, and then slowly phasing that out? Like what was that transition process like? Yeah. So there was a, there was a big step in there that we missed. That was a few years of time uh, where I quit working for the fly shop. I started working in a sales job. Mm-hmm. Um, Selling cars. Some different, right? Yeah. Cars. Yep. 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 Some different things happened. I, I've always been a car guy. I, I do love cars. I like, I, I'm in no way a mechanic, but as I said, I've been buying and kind of flipping cars since I was like 15. So, mm-hmm. um, re- I know enough about cars and know about working on them. And I keep track of, especially like some what collectible cars. I'm really into like older, like SUVs essentially. So, um, mm-hmm. anyways, kind of been big on that and got mad at the fly shop that I was working for for some of the reasons that I'd already mentioned, essentially, I just didn't like working there. Sure. But 
felt like I had maxed out on that learn phase that you were kind of talking about versus earning versus learning. Yep. Um, cause everything at that point I was earning was all warm and fuzzies from, you know, just s- getting people into the sport, seeing them succeed in it made me very happy. Mm-hmm. So everything at that point I was earning was all emotionally like, Oh, this is fun. I really enjoy when this guy, you know, seeing this guy and his son come in and, or, or the, you know, selling them a, a rod and then some flies and then having them come in a week later and having to be like, yeah, check out this picture yeah, yeah, yeah. that we caught of this fish, this you know, awesome. and sure. yeah, yeah, everything at that point was the, all the urn was just the warm and fuzzies and the learning step was, I felt like done. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was kind of done with them. I wanted to, I needed to go do something that also made some money. So that not everything's helps. about money, but <laughs> you also do have to have money to do things. Yeah. So I went and sold cars for a while got blue line kind of running, started dumping a lot of my money from blue line into it, which, mm-hmm. or sorry, from selling cars and working in cars, started dumping a lot of that money into blue line. Uh, mm-hmm. Blue line is self-funded by myself and my business partner. So mm-hmm. it's nothing that, you know, we, we started out very slow while he, we, had, we both still had, you know, other full-time jobs <clears throat> kind of just grinding it out, Yep, investing in ourselves. So, uh, there's no way I could have financially gotten blue line off the ground with working at a, at a shop, which is, uh, which is very unfortunate the way that the industry just kind of works. Um, I I wouldn't have financially been able to do it just with my circumstances. Sure. So, uh, that actually was a really big step to getting blue line going was having a full-time job and that paid well, and then putting that money into into blue line with the hope that eventually I would get out and be able to do blue line full time. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of that, that went on for a few years where we kind of ran blue line on the side. Cause you could, without a, just a ton of money, you, we, there's no way we could have ever brought blue line to market and then just jumped in both feet and said, this is what I do now. Right. Um, you know, there had to be a lot of building or we would have had to, I would have just had to eat nothing you know but i guess ramen and water for yeah. four years and i don't know if the wife, wife would have liked that <laughs> yeah my wife would not have liked that so um it kind of allowed me to just put my head down and say okay let's make some money let's put this money into this you know keep keep kind of doing this mm-hmm. and once blue line really got going you know it it then started really being tough for me to be like man like i see the potential and i see you know you put in a little bit of work here and there like i could I could see you put in some, you put in a couple hours of work and then all of a sudden here comes some orders and here comes some, you know, some people interested and some new customers and getting some new orders. But then I was also working in cars, which is a freaking awful job, Mm. but it pays well, which is why it's terrible. Right. Um, but (laughs) well, or, or you also have to be good at it. Um, like, I mean, if you can sell a hedgehog, you can sell a car. So <laughs> sell a car. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, it's, uh, I kind of needed that, but then after, you know, three to four years, it re- once it really started kind of snowballing a little bit, it, it really did start getting to the point like, gosh, I, I feel like I'm neglecting blue line because I'm working 60 to 80 hours a week in cars. Mm. I feel like I'm really neg- neglecting blue line because it's so cool. Once you start seeing something that you've built yourself mm-hmm. and you start seeing customers and orders, <coughs> you, 
excuse Bless me, you. once you start seeing those customers and orders coming in off of just a little bit of work that you're doing, it's like, it's so addictive. Mm-hmm. It like is what it became one of the most, it, like I was, I was just obsessed with like, okay, if I could spend two hours here, two hours there on blue line, like I just saw so such big results all of a sudden start to happen. Right. And that's where, uh, you know, I kind of got to a point with cars that I was like, all right, I, I, I just can't anymore it it's a terrible job if any any of you guys any of you guys watching or whatever listening (laughs) it's an awful awful job but they suck you in because you can just make stupid money doing it but again it's because it's terrible so it was like there was never ever a way that i was going to be able to do that full time like or not full time i was doing it 80 hours a week but Mm -hmm. it was like i there was never a time that i was like i could do this for the rest of my life Right. Um, so just got to a good point where I could transition from cars into doing blue line full time. And that's where we're at. Yeah. It, no, it's an interesting story. Like the come up of, of how these things start oftentimes, you know, in your garage or, you know, yeah. spare time. And I mean, you know, along the keels jumped into this whole e-commerce side of things now, and we did like a soft launch and, and now we're, you know, I'm looking at a, a shelf in front of me full of products and whatnot, and we're networking with vendors and and meeting people. And I had one guy. I was talking to Toadfish today, and they're coming on as a vendor. And they were. Uh, I was talking to Hunter, and he's like, "Oh, so you guys got a warehouse?" And I go, mm, "Uh, yeah, my garage. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. That's the absolutely. We have a massive warehouse. You know, big team of people. I got a forklift right next to me. Actually, you know, that's uh, a." <laughs> And, uh, you know, there's just, there's this misconception of when you see a brand that's online, that every single one of them is going to be this massive company, right? Right, right. And people with teams and, you know, thousands or or hundreds of people that are working there, right? Yeah. Um, Which is obviously not the case. But it's that come up of Casey from Toadfish, he started in his garage, you know, selling oyster shucker knives. Um, So once you started to make that transition... I mean, obviously the majority of what you sell is all flies. So what is it that you can sell flies, but you're also selling a message. You're also selling a brand. And I think that's what you guys have done really, really well. Kind of going back to being the curator for someone's fly fishing trip, right? And not only providing them a great fly, but also providing them awesome content. Like what you're doing with the wild fly crew and Scotty and those guys, or yeah. your buddy Hobo Steve, you know, who's got to be the hairiest dude I have ever seen in my life. Um, it's bad. It's real bad. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys bust his balls about that? Yeah, we did, but I don't know. It's just, it's no just overused it's just, now. It's, yeah, it's just it's old. <laughs> <laughs> we got to come up with some new original content. <laughs> but I mean, what was that? I mean, because you guys, you get out of your job, and then all of a sudden, you're like, "All right, this is we're going full bore with this," right? that motivation that drove you to start creating this awesome content and you know, your podcast rambling fly, like what was that, what was that come up like? And then where you are now with the next step in, in where blue line is kind of going. Yeah. I think one of the things that we've kind of always centered around is like, I, I, it's probably not something that we really, well, we really never say it. It's never something that we're like, Oh, okay, here's the blue line business model for you guys. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I know that if I can make your time more enjoyable on the water, you'll fish more. If you 
use a fly that's working. If I get you the right tools, if you have the right knowledge to be able to go out there and catch fish, you're going to have more fun than if you didn't. Then, in theory as well, you're going to end up spending more time fishing, meaning that you're going to care about the community, about the river, about the ecosystem, wherever you live in or fishing. One of our big messages is go fish in your backyard. It's not, you know, we used to see all these people all the time that would say, oh yeah, I fly fish all the time. Oh, okay, cool. Where do you go? Oh, I, yo, this is in Alabama. They're like, oh, I'll go to Montana once a year. Well, do you ever fish here? No. Well, then you don't fish. Like you can't, you can't say that you do that. So, um, sorry if I called you out. (laughs) come at me about it. So, um, go fish in your backyard, care about your local stuff. It's not, you know, it's not all about going to Montana and having some huge, big fish fishing of a lifetime trip. You know, hopefully these people will go out, have fun in their backyard, care about where they're at. And then in turn care about, you know, preserving it, you know, picking up trash as they see it, things like that. So anyways, I think that's kind of a little bit of a link that we, we really never like go into. I've never like sat down and said, Hey guys, here's the plan for blue line for my customers idea, but kind of one of our plans for that. Um, and just kind of wanting to get, uh, get the name, I, I guess kind of get the blue line name out there a little more was kind of the thing behind the videos, like mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily think that, you know, marketing in magazines and that kind of thing is really that big anymore. And it didn't really fit for us because I think one of the really big things for blue line is that if you place an order on blue line, you know, that comes to me, that's not going to right. some team somewhere. It's not like there's a warehouse and a forklift. Like you're talking about, like that just comes, you don't to have me. a forklift. I, I don't, but, <laughs> Sometimes if you get Hobo Steve in the right position like this, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, sometimes it, it, I like, put I'll put boxes on my dog, you know, and he'll just kind of walk around. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah, good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, but you know, I think I I think part of the videos was just trying to get our names out there a little more because mm-hmm. I really did want to establish, uh, and I think a lot of companies are are just like this. If you purchase a product from, I I don't know, X company. Do you like really know who that, who that product is? I mean, I guess if that makes sense, like Mm -hmm. Steve, Steven and I are blue line. If you place an order, it comes to myself and Steven, Steven and I run this company and do these things, even though like I've got an employee that's starting with me in June, we're starting to expand. We're really are starting to grow, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's like, that's, that's me. If you place a, if you place a product with blue line, you're, you're, you're buying me, I guess, as a, yeah. if that makes sense, you're buying mm-hmm. us as an, you know, whatever. So that was one of the things that we really wanted to kind of do with the videos is show who we are, not, mm. not, you know, Hey, this, these are the best flies on the planet. That's not what I'm saying in any of the videos, but I, I think it's important that like our customers kind of know who we are like, Oh, I like hobo Steve and Adam. That's kind of cool that this fly was designed by them. I, right. yeah, I'd like to support that. Um, and kind of get behind that. I think that's a big portion of our, of our company. Mm. Um, and just like you were, we're kind of halfway in between, uh, well, so we did launch a merch line. So all the mm-hmm. flies and everything has been run out of my basement, as we see here. We got you know, <laughs> kind of shipping and packaging, and we got some 
stores yeah, shipping receivings and, over there and it, yeah you know yeah. Uh, hr but, yeah hr is <laughs> upstairs <laughs> upstairs yeah um but anyways uh you, you, we so we actually broke into launching some soft goods and some mm-hmm. t-shirts and stuff like that that we that we liked and uh you know like i don't know where it, it's just super simple stuff sure but uh we ended up running a mini storage Oh, so cool. now blue line is run out of a mini storage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still have a lot of the stuff down here because I still do some work here, but, uh, we, so all of our shirts, all of our hats, our packaging stuff is essentially all at our mini storage now. <laughs> so I go over to a mini storage once a day, I've got a table in there, I've got it all set up so I can print labels and get, you know, pick the stuff, package it. And then I drop it off at USBS every yeah. day. Love that. Yeah. So I mean, that's yeah, like, that's, that's some pretty grassroots of where you guys are at, you know, and like building this thing, but you're by no means, I mean, you're moving a lot of flies. Like you're not, yeah, you're yeah. not just, I mean, don't let it, don't let whoever's listening to this, don't let it fuel you. Like Adam is crushing it in the amount of flies that he's moving and you know, what you guys are doing over there with, you know, the wildfly crew and the short bus diaries and, and really making this interesting and just fun ecosystem around blue line i was i was on your instagram today and i think it was the trout what was it trout masters yeah yeah <laughs> was that i mean that wasn't recent that was somewhat that was a little while ago that was, was this it? summer we filmed it this summer released it this fall okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean you, just, you guys had me just cackling with uh <laughs> you're you, he's walking out with the bag and the fly yeah. rods are sticking out of it i'm like man yeah. you guys are just <laughs> Um, you're just a bunch of buddies who are getting together, making flies and having fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that, but you a little know, bit more than know. that. There's, yeah. Th- yeah. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. On the outside, it definitely is. It's it, one of the things kind of continuing along now mm-hmm. that I'm kind of just in this, in this spot. So I was saying, you know, we, uh, in retail, I worked 40 hours a week. Cause if you work more than 40 hours a week, they had to pay overtime and God knows that you're not worth that kind of right. money. <laughs> so, uh, you, essentially couldn't work more than 40 hours a week. And even then when payroll, because I was in management payroll, they like sometimes didn't want me working 40 because they didn't want to pay me to work 40. Right. So I'm like, okay, great. This is fun. Cars is obviously kind of the flip side of that, which is you get paid on commission and Mm -hmm. I don't give a crap how much you work. Right. If you want to make money, you're going to be here. Right. So it's like, Oh, okay, great. That's fun too. So I kind of went from one extreme to the other, mm-hmm. but being in this is kind of in, is, has been a little weird for me. I'm sure a lot of the other p- potentially people who listen to this, I'm sure, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs or people that are interested in companies or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, are probably, I'm sure in the same spot as me. The weird thing that I'm in now is that because I do own the company, I work for myself. I work from home. One of the biggest things is like, you have to be a self-starter. You cannot, yeah possibly i mean i know you know this and this is kind of like no shit but it's like you have to be able you can't wake up and be distracted by call of duty or whatever like right you, you know you, you can't you like, gotta get after it you, you gotta get after it and that's one of the things that's kind of now becoming a little overwhelming is like okay i used to work 80 hours a week selling cars now and i was like oh man i work 80 hours a week this is a ton but now it's like 80 hours a week is probably next to nothing compared to how much time I spend thinking about blue line. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. I wake up at 3 AM and can't go back to sleep because like it might, you know, my dog wakes me up, you know, <laughs> is walks, you know, shifts or something. 
wakes me up at 3 a.m. And then my mind's just going blue line stuff. Right. You, I cannot, I never, ever put it down. Yeah. And like, at least when I was at work, I was at work. And then when I was off work, you left, you were done. I I was kind of done. There it was the car. I'm not with cars anymore. The cars are over there. I can't sell cars. I'm not selling fly fishing gear. It's over there. Right. But now shifting to this, it's like, I, I never, ever can put it down. Right. Like I'm always thinking of something else. I'm always doing so. I'm always taking a note. Like even if we're at dinner with friends and they're talking about something that's not very interesting, my mind is not, <laughs> Oh, I'm having fun with friends. I'm at dinner. It's, well, you know, what am I, you know, what else yep. can we do? And it, it kind of swaps from these goals. That's really difficult to keep you, when you have a job, it's like, Oh, Hey, these, these are your goals. You know, these are your, you need to sell this or, you know, here's what we're doing this month or, whatever i don't know right um but i feel like it's it my direction is kind of messed up a little bit because it's like it's not here's here's your goal it's like run the company yep you know it's not like a really niche like this is the goal this is what we're trying to do it's like run the company yeah make Make figure out how to figure yeah make it happen figure out how to become profitable yeah so it's it's never like if you work at a job where you potentially have a boss who's like hey here are the projects we're working on you have you know upper management that's like hey these are the little things that we need to do today we need to work on we need to revamp our packaging we need to do this and this and this it's like that's what i that's me and i don't delegate these things to people right it's like Maybe, maybe, wow, I wonder if we, if we read it, our packaging, would we get more sales? Right. I don't know. Yeah. Just for example, I kind of rambled there, but it's, no, it's it's a good ramble though, because yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that I have a friend of mine who has a coffee company. It's called Cooper's cast coffee. Um, he's a become kind of a mentor of sorts. And I sat down with him. I think it was last week. I'm like, I just texted him on Thursday and I'm like, you know what? Like, you know, when you're having one of those days where you're just kind of, you're, you're in a head spin, you're like, what direction am I going? Like, what is this going to be? So I text him like, John, uh, you want to get lunch tomorrow? He goes, yeah, we're going to, and I'm like, we're, yeah, he's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, he's like, Dante's question mark. I'm like, Dante's it is. See you at 11. He goes, all right. <laughs> so we meet up and, you know, we sit down and John is, um, he's, he's kind of like just total space cadet sometimes so he was like 30 minutes late he's like sorry dude i was on the i was on the uh the phone with some investor person or whatnot and or some customer and i'm like yeah dude no sweat i've been on my phone taking notes and shit so it's no big deal yeah um but he he brings up good points and one of the points that he has is always like head head chair which your your head is just constantly in motion and it's gotten to the point now where i'll wake up in a dead sleep talking to myself and it'll be about whatever I'm thinking, you know, it's yeah, like, you're yeah. literally dreaming about what needs to be done. And you know it, you know, and yes. there's both good and bad sides to that because there's moments where you don't want to be thinking about anything and you just want to be present in the moment. And you're just totally just, it's like the iron curtain shuts down yeah. and you're always yeah. thinking about, you know, blue line co or along the keel or, or whatever you have to do. Right. Yeah. Insert said <clears throat> company. Um, yes. And one thing that I think that I took away from me living out in Hawaii was, shit, I know no one. It's nothing that I can control. So you got to, it's up to you. No one's coming, you know? Yep. And it's figuring that out. And, and like you said, being a self-starter and just being like, all right, well, if it doesn't get done, it doesn't get done. Podcast doesn't get edited. Right. It doesn't get put out. Right. 
right playing something there's no there's no catch there's no net there's no <laughs> there's no net so yeah yeah oh the, you know if you didn't do it oh we'll get someone else to do it yeah it, right. yeah there's no there's no safety net right. which is extremely scary i mean mm-hmm. no, no joke and especially for us investing a lot of our personal money like i said the first few years i mean blue line is self-funded literally until actually a couple months ago we got a small business loan to oh nice congrats um thanks because we have not ever been able to keep up with our inventory Mm. we were growing faster than we can put wrap our money back into the company um we consistently are out of stock of a lot of flies of course right now that's been a lot due to covid and Mm -hmm. all sorts of other global supply chain crap which i hate that as an excuse but is the truth with us you can't Mm -hmm. get materials you can't get flies made so it is what it is um but anyways besides the point it's like uh uh, I, I don't know. It's, it, ha- it has been kind of tough trying to figure out like, what do you like, what are you going to prioritize today? What are mm-hmm. you going to, you know, move into next? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, you, you made definitely made some great points. It's like, uh, I don't, I don't really know what I'm trying to say, but it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know. You just get, you, sometimes you just get absolutely lost, uh, in what you should do or where, like, with the risk is it worth me putting my money into this is it worth me continuing to put my time into it mm-hmm. um you know obviously i could go out right now and get a car job again and make right. a lot more than i'm making right now mm-hmm. but you know is it it that's not worth it to me right. um but i don't know i think one of the things that honestly if we had kind of gone back to uh it 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 may it Part of part of it is like my forecasting. My forecast mm. is always, always, always low, because I, I, not that I don't believe in myself or Blue Line or us, but it's like, who are they really going to buy a couple hundred of this fly? Like, are people out there really going to like? If I bring mm-hmm. out this new pattern, are there really going to be? Are we really going to sell five hundred of this pattern this year? No, there's no way. And then we're out of stock in you know a couple months. <laughs> And I don't know, some of it is like, maybe, I don't, I don't know, not that you necessarily asked for like, what advice would you give to people? But yeah, no, no, I kind of just, it. I kind of just did. I guess it would be like, if it <laughs> believe in yourself a little more and that's kind of where we're trying to figure out is like how much, like no matter what we put into it, the, the consumers are, are sucking it up. Like mm. if we put out new flies, if we put out new shirts, you know, it, people love, continue to buy it. Um, and that's kind of, that's obviously great, but that has led us to probably grow slower than we should have because mm-hmm. we didn't believe in ourselves enough to say, hell yeah, we'll sell 500 of that fly. Get it. Yeah. You know, we were like, oh, well, I don't know. Let's only get 250 of those maybe. Right. But do and you then, think that having that slow grow was almost better for a long term, just solidifying the brand rather than being so uberly confident that all of a sudden you're, you're investing you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then you find out that, Oh, well shit, that didn't work out versus having that slow drip. Yeah. That would have been cool to have a hundred, a couple hundred thousand dollars <laughs> to invest in it. <laughs> I wish we'd been there. Uh, but no, is I mean, you're right. We, we, I don't know. I, I feel like I was pro I mean, I feel like I was probably on the low side of it, but I think you're right. It is probably better than if we got a business loan and say, Hey, we're starting blue line, you know, give us a business loan for 250 grand. We're going to get this thing going. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that probably we might not be as successful as we are today. Had we done that? 
but I feel like there probably could be a happy medium between that and what you know what we did, which mm-hmm. we probably just didn't believe in ourselves enough. Yeah. Put enough stock into what we were doing and right. saying, you know, yeah, people people if we if we bring it and we market it right, people are going to be excited about it. Right. Um and then right. they'll try it, they'll realize it's a great product, and then they'll keep they'll tell their friends, they'll keep buying it. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't we probably didn't put enough faith in ourselves for that. Yeah. But I think it's also kind of hard to do that when you're the one that's in the grind all the time versus someone that's looking from the outside and is like, Hey, you actually have something here. Like keep going, keep doing what you're doing. Even though if you're, even if you're not making any money, even if you're just making connections, whatever you're doing, just like keep, keep putting steps, you know, forward and laying bricks hoping that something's going to pay off. Um, But that's often a lot easier said than done. Yes. Very much so. Yeah. And and you kind of kind of, and I think in a lot of ways you kind of have to enjoy the grind of it. You know, otherwise you're just going to be just as miserable than at your, you know, regular 40 hour week, you know, day job. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right. People ask me all the time now, it's like, oh, it's fishing, like it's fishing a job now. And sometimes it is because it is like some days it's like I have to go fish to get some content. Right. You know, like that sounds like a very big first world problem, <laughs> but, uh, and I'm not saying it's not, it's just, but it, it is more of a job than it used to be because it right. used to be. I get to go fishing. I'm, I'm going to escape, you know, from my stupid car job and I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to take a few days off work and we're going mm-hmm. to go fish. Um, and now it is very different. Cause it's like, you're you, like, I, um, uh, I have to go fish today to be able to get, I've got to go do this shoot and get this content. And then when you're there, you're less interested in fishing as you are in like making sure that you're getting the right content. And so yeah. your headspace kind of changes pretty pretty drastically based on you know what you're doing. Um, right. but I do still love it. It's still a job. It's still, it's a much better job than selling cars, mm-hmm. but it is definitely still a job. Man, you're putting a lot of emphasis on hate for selling cars. Oh yeah. I hate <laughs> it. I absolutely hate it. Yeah. I've heard it's, it's, you're just, you're just kind of a slave to, to yeah. just working and literally just grinding it out day in and day yeah. out. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> not to hate. Not, not, sorry. Sorry. Not sorry to, if you're a car just, salesman out there, but yeah, sorry to just beat a dead horse, but <laughs> I guess, may, I don't know, maybe feel, I feel your pain, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. But. Well, so, you know, as, as you guys have kind of progressed and where you're at now, what do you kind of see the future of blue line becoming, you know, like more reach out, more videos, more content. like what's the, what's the next step? What do you see down the road? Um, we definitely just want to continue to expand. Uh, we want people to keep buying our flies. I want to keep coming up with products. I guess I probably should have said this way earlier in the episode, I guess, for those of you who may not be super familiar with what we do. So I, I've been tying flies forever, uh, since I was 10 years old, uh, more out of necessity because we didn't have a fly shop. I didn't have anywhere I could go purchase flies. So I started tying flies uh when i was 10 just so that i had flies Mm -hmm. um so anyways that's kind of how that started and just from tying flies that long i've started to accumulate patterns and i've become thankfully pretty good at it there's not very many things i'd say i'm good at but i am pretty good at tying flies and uh so then what we do here at blue line is these are flies that we've designed that we go out personally fish we test them we make sure that they work then if they also kind of check the the appeal that you would probably buy them, we uh, will green light the pattern, get it tied, and then bring it out and sell it to you. So 
anyways, um, I guess we want to just continue making new patterns, making patterns that continue to work, um, and continue making good videos, continue getting people excited about fishing, uh, not just locally, but, you know, making some trips, putting some more content out that's just a little bit different than what the current industry is doing mm-hmm. is something that we really want to do. Some of the blue line things that we want to do are uh, I would really like to have. Uh, obviously, you've got an awesome spot set up for a podcast. <laughs> nice. uh, I have not yet gotten to that. Um, I really do want to set up like a really cool spot that I could not only be on instead of being in my ridiculous basement where I could at least have a good backdrop, not just, not just for the rambling fly podcast that I host, but also Mm -hmm. that if I was on your podcast, it would look a whole lot nicer. (laughs) Um, that's definitely in my wheelhouse. I I would like to get a, uh, really kind of the long-term thing we've been talking about right now is having a warehouse area where we could potentially make like a corner of it into like a little bit of a YouTube mm-hmm. you know, video studio slash podcast studio, uh, where I could tie and make some of our like fly tying and instructional videos that we put out mm-hmm. and then also have our packaging warehouse area. And then also potentially have an area where, where a customer is lo- if you're local or whatever, could, could place an order. Stuff. Yeah. You could either walk in and buy some stuff, or if you ordered something online, there would be an option for, you know, a local pickup option mm-hmm. where you could swing by the warehouse and pick up your order. Um, and obviously we have sponsors for our fishing channel, things like that, uh, for our sure. videos. I'd love to carry, you know, some of my sponsors gear. Right. Like the the fishing rods that we fish, we obviously get tons and tons of questions about that. So it'd be a really cool place to give people a, uh, an informational spot that they could come and say, oh, hey, these are the rods that they use. I want to cast one or I want to check it out or here's right. the, oh, I can look at all the flies and pick. So yeah. anyways, we kind of want to give people, people that uh, resource. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyways, so that's some of the things that kind of long term that we have coming up. Um, I love that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that kind of puts like the people like not that you guys don't interact with people now, but to be that, you know, human to human contact is always something right. that I don't think is ever going to go away. You know, despite right. what everyone says about COVID and, you know, obviously the the whole pandemic was in, in a lot of ways not very good. But in some ways for the outdoor industry, it was fantastic, you know, and in you know, you might may or may not agree with me on this one, but I think from a retail perspective, um, it almost solidified brick and mortar to being more, you know, I guess more needed rather than just being online. I mean, certainly right. if you were only brick and mortar, you had to go online. But if you're also online and now it seems as though online components are also moving into brick and mortar. So it kind of yes. went both ways because people want to go out. They don't want to just spend all their day online, they want to go shopping. They want to buy a fly. They want to pick it up and and see and talk to Adam and talk to Steve and and get to know you guys. Like that's what people are are wanting nowadays. Right, so especially I, the outdoor marketplace, like you said. I think is the biggest place that you probably see that. I mean, people, you know, yeah, you can buy your toothbrush or your freaking toothpaste or shampoo online from Amazon, fine. But I think in the outdoor market it real having that personal connection and fly shops, you know, really, I think is, is very, is never going to really go away. Right. Um, somewhere that you can walk in and say, Hey, help me tie this knot yep. or Hey, teach me to do this. And I think that's one thing, you know, hunting, fishing, 
put you know boats or rock climbing or kayaking you know mm-hmm. I, I think those kind of places will always have uh, a brick and mortar uh store yep. and hopefully I, I i hope that a lot of people at least that do listen to this support the brick and mortar store and not you know one of my biggest fears and i know i kind of say this because i do e-commerce and i don't have a brick and mortar store Mm -hmm. but that's why i do retail to brick and mortar stores and have a wholesale thing for people to put my flies in their store if they wish right but um you know i hope people one of my biggest fears would be in the in the fishing industry would be someone goes into a brick and mortar store casts of a rod figures out what rod they like and then they go find it yeah and then you go buy it off of amazon because it's 20 dollars cheaper right like if you continue doing that you're not going to have a brick and mortar store that you can ever go demo that rod at right that that insight and information that that guy gave you is worth 20 bucks or that you would save off of buying it online or whatever you know right whatever it was but well with the price of gas these days you probably save money (laughs) (laughs) that's true so well right on yeah i mean i I love that i love the fact that you guys are always kind of evolving and you know the content you guys make is always it's super entertaining and funny and so as you guys have kind of you know begun to evolve in you know you got the podcast you got the youtube channel where else can people get to know you and interact with you guys and learn more um so we've got obviously there's a couple outlets. Our our Instagram's big. The Blue Line Instagram that obviously comes directly to us. Uh, we definitely have a lot of people ask us questions on there. We try as best as we can to get to all of them. Our Instagram does get flooded sometimes. So, uh, but we try to answer a lot of questions on there. Again, that that stuff comes from me. That's not like you know some robot or some dude I pay to. <laughs> talk back to you on Instagram. Uh, the wildfly productions, uh, has like all the big, uh, s- you know, big trips, the really cool cinema ta- cinematography, cinematic shots, all that kind of stuff. Cinematography, the cinematography, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is, <laughs> cinematic shots, that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, you can find all that on wildfly. Um, it's kind of funny cause we play care. We, I, yeah, we kind of play characters on there, but that's who we really mm-hmm. are. Um, you know, we're not making stuff up for that. And then, so he's actually uh, a hobo is what you're saying. Lives well, in a box. he's not actually a hobo, uh, but right. he, li- he lives and acts like it. So <laughs> close enough. Um, and then uh, Blue Line Co. under or Blue Line Co. dot on uh, Blue Line Co. period on uh, YouTube. You can also find us there. We post a lot like the Trout Masters video you talked about. Mm-hmm. Some of the we're kind of we're, we're kind of doing more of the short. The videography is not great, <laughs> but we're doing kind of the short little funny, stupid clips that we come up with. That we're like, no, nah, this would be fun to do. Yeah, Whether yeah, yeah. I don't care if anybody watches it, it would be fun <laughs> to put something out where we're like golf, fly fishing. At the yeah, well, you had me something. going. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, and, and we kind of want to continue posting instructional stuff too, like mm-hmm helping people obviously in the big videos we like to throw in some good knowledge and some good tips and fishing tips but we kind of from the blue line channel we want to keep putting out like hey here's a quick tip on how to cast you know a quick you know five minute video on how to do something fishing related um so we've been enjoying doing that uh so people can also find us that way or uh go fishing and you'll likely see me somewhere (laughs) (laughs) somewhere mocking Um, about awesome yeah well, so Adam, walking around on a riverbank. Yeah, <laughs> man, it was good talking to you. It was good to learn all about Blue Line Co. And I appreciate you guys coming on the show and, and telling me about your story. And um, looking forward to sharing it with others and you know keeping the conversation rolling. 
yeah, thanks, man. I really appreciate you having me on. Your podcast is great. Love, love. Uh, I appreciate it. Ca- hopefully, hopefully, you have a lot of listeners that are kind of entrepreneurial or coming up with some good ideas of their own that they're like, man, how do we? How do we get on there? How do we? How do we do? Th- or not, how do we get on there? Like, how do Damn. we? How do? How do I do that? Yeah. No. Like, exactly. How do, I, how do I come up with? You know, I've got this cool idea for some X product. How do I? You know, hopefully, I. I kind of liked when I was listening when I learned about your podcast and stuff and started listening to some of the episodes. It's hopefully, is like a resource to folks that are like minded. Uh, sounds like we're pretty similar. Similarly minded came up a lot of the same way. So hopefully selling uh, animals, you know, yeah, selling animals, whatever. <laughs> uh, but you know, whatever you guys are, uh, you know, listening, hopefully it's, hopefully it's helpful for you. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode of along the keel. It was great having Adam on the show. He is a true character, very funny guy, and really enjoyed the conversation. Um, What I think I brought away from this episode of the podcast the most is the fact that if you want it, you're going to have to grind for it. And there is no one stopping you except for yourself. So, Adam, thank you for that uh, inspiration there. And I hope everyone else that has listened to the show is inspired to go out and do something, a project, a business, entrepreneurial or not, just go out and and try something out that you've always wanted to do. With that, I hope you guys tune in to Along the Keel's next episode airing on Friday. And of course, go to our website, sign up for our newsletter, check us out. You can also buy a lot of the great items that we've had on the show right on the website. We are a coastal purveyor of all things that you need to live a life built by the water. So with that, Sign up for newsletter, check us out. And if you want, you can leave a five-star review and we will give you a discount code if you send a screenshot of that review and you email it to Zach at alongthekeel.com. Enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, work hard, do good, be incredible, and have an awesome day.